Now, do you find yourself threatening, repeating your instructions, or raising your voice in an attempt to get your children to obey? Then we're glad you're joining us today as Ginger Hubbard reveals six discipline mistakes parents make and encourages to take a more biblical, heart-oriented approach to training our children. Now, she's no stranger to us. Ginger is a best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I can't believe you just said that. She speaks at women's parenting conferences and homeschool conventions across the country and co-hosts the Parenting with Ginger Hubbard podcast. Welcome to the Gems of Motherhood. I'm your host, Sharon Khan. I'm here to connect you with some amazing gems of mothers and experts from all walks of life. Each week, you'll hear interviews as well as resources and actionable tips that you can implement in your daily life to be the best gem God has called you to be. Thanks for walking this journey with me today. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. Welcome again, Ginger. It's so good to have you back. Thank you, Sharon. It's great to be back on Gems of Motherhood. We had such a good chat last time, so I was just thrilled for the opportunity to get to be on again. Yes, absolutely. And you were in our best of 2020. Uh, A lot of listeners really enjoyed what you had to say. I can't believe you just said that, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. I'm glad your listeners were encouraged. That's my heart is to encourage moms and dads in reaching the hearts of their kids. So I like to hear when it um, touches people. Yeah, and I'm so glad we're going to be talking about this topic today. Now, Ginger, sometimes as a mother, it can be really frustrating when it seems like no matter what we do, we just can't reach the heart of our children. So what have you found to be the primary problem with the way the world tells us to brain our children? Well, Sharon, I found that there are so many faulty child training methods out there. And what I've discovered in researching those is that the uh, the common denominator in all of them is this emphasis on behavioral change instead of heart change. Mm-hmm. But We need to remember that our goal is not just to get our children to outwardly comply, but to reach their hearts with the gospel of Christ. And when we adopt these popular but deceptive parenting philosophies and methods that the world offers where the goal is just for behavior modification, we miss the we miss the issues of the heart and the whole purpose of biblical discipline. I want to help parents learn how to recognize and resist that temptation mm. to parent as the world tells us to parent and to look instead to the infallible word of God where we are provided with everything we need for life and godliness. I love the verse 2 Peter 1, 3 through five, it says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Mm. And so you and I both know that everything this world offers that's contrary to the word of God is corrupt, including the way the world tells us to parent. Right. That's so very true. And it's so easy for parents to just kind of buy into what the media says or what everybody says. What I mean is that it's just so easy for us to be blinded, especially when we're not grounded in the truth or we're not being thought about how to reach the heart. And as we're going to talk about it today, you know, what would you say is the primary purpose for disciplining our children? I would say our whole purpose in training and disciplining our children is to help them understand 
understand that their sinful nature, their sinful behavior stems from a sinful heart. And the Mm -hmm. only cure for a sinful heart is Jesus. So when we depend on worldly methods for disciplining our kids that fail to expose the heart issues that drive that outward behavior, we miss the opportunity to point them to their need for Jesus, who is Mm -hmm. their only hope for real change. He's, He's all of our only hope for real change. And so if we could view all of their sinful behaviors as these precious opportunities to point them to Jesus, then we would be so much more righteous in our training. We would be joyful and eager all the time instead of angry and frustrated. And, you know, I'll just go ahead and say that I know better than anyone that's easier said than done. But (laughs) we are to strive for our attitudes to be like the attitude of Christ. And, you know, Sharon, we're all going to blow it sometimes. um, Definitely. But in those moments, we can be thankful for the grace and the forgiveness of God. In your books, you refer to the six discipline mistakes we're going to talk about today as deceptive philosophies. And you say that's because they may manipulate the child's behavior, but they fail to reach the heart. So let's start with the number one discipline mistake parents make. Okay. I think the number one, probably the most common discipline mistake that parents make that fails to reach the heart that I've observed is, and it's probably one of the easiest traps to fall into, is bribing. It's so tempting to say something <laughs> like, honey, if you obey mom in the store today, I'll give you some candy. Mm-hmm. I observed this mom in Walmart telling her three-year-old to come to her and the child ignored her mom and took off running in the other direction. And in desperation, this mom yells down the aisle at Walmart, come to mommy and I'll give you a sucker. And of <laughs> course, the child immediately goes from hearing impaired to exceptional hearing and comes quickly (laughs) to mom's side. But the problem is that this is not training the child in obedience. This is actually rewarding the child for stubbornness, Mm. Uh, giving them a reward in order to get them to obey. That encourages them in selfishness because their motive for obeying is I'll obey for what I can get out of it. And that's a selfish reason. Mm. Children should be taught to obey because it's right and because it pleases God not to get a reward. Right. And so with what you said about, for example, with, with the kid and the mom said, all right, well, if you come back here, I will give you a sucker. So in order for you to teach obedience, how would you suggest that the mom should have changed her attitude in order to reach the heart of the child? I like to start, I always encourage in all of my books and don't make me count to three. And I can't believe you just said that. I encourage a three-step plan um, instead of these faulty child training methods. And step one is to use heart probing questions Mm -hmm. because when we ask our kids a simple question or two um, that helps them to evaluate their heart, that helps them to recognize what's going on there. Then we know what we're dealing with. And so in a situation like that, mom might say something very simple like, honey, um, you know, I, I told you to come catch up with the child in Walmart, get <laughs> eye to eye and, and ask a very simple question like, honey, um, I told you to come to me. Now, did you obey or did you disobey? Mm-hmm. And you want the child to acknowledge that he disobeyed. If they don't answer, I encourage answering for them because you don't want to get into a power struggle. So just say right. something like, well, sweetie, I told you to come to me and you didn't. And that is disobeying. And then one thing that I would ask my kids is how does God want you to obey? And I taught my kids this at a very young age. But when I asked that question, I could hold up three fingers and say, how does God want you to obey? And they would say all the way, right away, 
and with a joyful heart. And that pretty much covers complete obedience. And, um, you know, as they get older, we can start uh, sharing verses with them uh, that the Bible says that children are to obey their parents in everything because this pleases the Lord. The scriptures also say that when kids don't obey their parents, it will not go well with them. Right. So we want to encourage them in those things. And then most importantly, we want to encourage them in what to do, which is obedience. So in that instance, you know, sweetie, when I called you, what should you have done? What would be obeying? And talk about, I encourage parents too, to talk about uh, things that kids really struggle with in times of Mm non-conflict. So like if you're at home and your child really struggles with first-time obedience, do some role-playing when you're not in the heat of the moment and just go through some scenarios and say, you know, if I ask you to do this, what would be the right response? What would be obeying? And so practice those things when you're in non-conflict and then it might trigger, hopefully, the kids to get into the habit of obeying. Well, I'll tell you, I love your books. And my daughter can tell me the two things, obey right away with a joyful heart because she forgets all the way. <laughs> yeah. So I always have to repeat that to her. Yeah. And well, two like, out of three is not bad, right? <laughs> it's not bad, you know, for, for a, a three-year-old, who, yeah. someone who just been three-year-old, she's going to get the third one right. Oh, yeah. yeah. And as you talk about role-playing, it's funny because she role-plays with her dolls, she'll bring her doll to a chair and says, mommy, Julia disobeyed God. (laughs) That's good. That's good. That's that nurturing mama in her. So (laughs) that's good. I love it. Well, as we're talking about, you know, the six mistakes, what would you say would be mistake number two? I would say mistake number two is threatening. Now, this one usually comes after we've repeated our instructions several times to no avail. And so we pull out the big guns Mm -hmm. with something like, if you don't start sharing your toys right now, I'm going to send them all off to kids who will share. Mm. But you see, this teaches them that mommy doesn't mean what she says. Mm. You know, how many of of our parents in an attempt to get us to appreciate our toys talked about the kids on the other side of the world who don't have any toys and threatened to ship them all off. And But how many parents actually followed through with that threat? And right. Boxed up and taped up and packed up and shipped off all of their kids' toys to 10 buck too. Probably not that many <laughs> followed through. And so all that to say, we, we need to avoid saying things that we don't mean because mm-hmm. this is how we get ourselves in a pickle. If we want them to understand that there's going to be a consequence and we tell them there's going to be a consequence, then there better, there better be a consequence. Because right. when there's not, we're going to cause our children to question our word. And Sharon, if we cry wolf too many times, we'll eventually lose our effectiveness because our kids will lose respect for our authority. Mm-hmm. And so our children need to have confidence that our word is our word. Mm -hmm. And when they have that confidence, it actually brings about a sense of security in their lives. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I don't, and please don't think for one second that I didn't blow it with my kids sometimes because I did, you know, I mean, I read all the great parenting books when my kids were little and I even wrote a couple of parenting books myself, but right. I still totally blew it sometimes and, and I knew better, uh, but I would still find myself falling into some of these traps. And I remember one time in particular when I fell into the trap of, re, of um, threatening my kids, I'd been telling them all day long that they needed to hurry up and get their rooms cleaned up. And they were not obeying. They were procrastinating and just just flat out not doing what I was telling them to do. And so what do I do? I pull out the big guns. I threw out a threat. And I said, if you guys don't hurry up and get these rooms cleaned up, you are 
are not spending the night with Nana and Papa tonight. Mm. But Sharon, I knew good and well, I wasn't about to follow through with that threat and <laughs> forfeit my night alone with no kids. And so, and so Matthew 5, 37 says, simply let your yes be yes, yes and your no be no. In other words, we are to say what we mean and mean what we say, or we'll exasperate our kids. Right. And, you know, really anything other than that, if you think about it, it's actually unfair because they don't know when to take us seriously. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight says that we are to weigh our answers. That means that uh, we need to think before we speak. We right. need to try not to issue a warning or a command unless we're willing to follow it through and try not to say yes or no to something unless we're certain that that's our answer. Mm, that's so good. I mean, I think I found myself um, being in that threatening place on occasion as well. And I would threaten her saying that if you don't nap, we're not going to go to the playground. And it's sometimes it's really so hard having to follow through because you're like, well, I really do want to help her out. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So that's, and, that's and, there, and, there's, and And let me clarify that because that's a good point that you're making. It's not so much, um, well, let me say this. It's good to encourage our kids ahead of time to obey. So there's a difference in threatening and encouraging them. Like a lot of times when my kids, when I could just tell, we know when they're about to disobey, a lot of times you can just see it on their face and in mm-hmm. their countenance. And so sometimes I would say something, you know, like, uh, like tell them, I w- say I want them to go put their shoes on. I would say clear instructions. You mm-hmm. need to go put your shoes on. And then I would say, yes, ma'am like encouraging them to say, yes, ma'am. And if and a lot of times if they would start to disobey, I don't think it's threatening to remind them that it's wise to dis, uh, to obey instead of mm-hmm. disobey. And so I might say something like, honey, I just told you to put your shoes on. Now you have a choice. Mm-hmm. You can either obey or disobey. That's mm-hmm. your choice. And if you disobey, you're choosing a consequence. So mm-hmm. see, that's not threatening. That right. is actually encouraging them. So it's like you just said, you know, I want my kids to choose the right thing. I want right. her to choose to obey. So there's nothing wrong when you see that they're about to disobey to stop them and get them to think, you know, I have a choice here. And yeah. so encourage them in that when you see that they're about to mess up. And then then you're also it's you've made it really black and white and you've put the ball in their court. It really is their choice. They right. have the freedom to choose to right. obey or disobey. But when they choose to disobey, they're choosing a consequence. <laughs> <laughs> so It's true because you said that they have a choice and the choice is a heart matter. Right. Whether yep. they're choosing to do right or doing choosing to do wrong. Right. And so um, so now what would be the third mistake? mistake that parents make. All right. If you think about it, threatening is along the same lines as repeating our instructions or going back on our instructions. So I would say that that's number three, um, which is also traps that we don't want to fall into repeating our instructions. Mm. Uh, My oldest stepson, Hudson, he is a total history buff, um, especially when it comes to battles and war history. Mm -hmm. And he's really helped me to have a deeper understanding of battle strategies and how our military works. And one of the things that I have found very interesting interesting is that when we look at some of the most admirable and successful generals of our con- our country we see that they they all have one thing in common they were certain of their commands before they issued them mm. soldiers don't respect or respond well to uncertain or inconsistent leaders which is interesting because it goes right along with what paul said in 1 corinthians 14:8 he said for if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound who will prepare for battle? Mm. And it's the same with parenting. If we issue these half-hearted commands to our children and we don't require them to follow through immediately, 
we send mixed signals. And that can even cause our children to question their own positions in the family because they become uncertain of when and how to respond to our instructions. When we're uncertain and inconsistent or wishy-washy in our instructions, it can cause our children to be insecure and unsure of their own actions. Mm -hmm. So we want to strive to lead our children with confidence so that they can find security and stability in their call to obedience. So then how would you suggest that, you know, for parents to start repeating themselves? I mean, what if your child just nonchalantly pretends that they're not listening to you? I really recommend that um, you not just a lot of times moms are bad about like being in another room Mm -hmm. and they're just kind of yelling out across the house instructions. And then that leaves a lot of gray area because you don't really know if the child heard and understood your instructions. Mm. So if you're sensing that your child might be ignoring you intentionally, then I would recommend going to that. Take a minute. Go to the child. If they're little, get down get down eye right. to eye, make that eye to eye contact and clearly instruct them. You know, I, sweetie, I told you it's time to come in here for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do you understand that? Yeah, they understand that. Okay, well, honey, you have a choice now. You can either obey or disobey. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we avoid repeating our instructions over and over. It's just to take the time to communicate them clearly, make sure the child understands those instructions and has heard those instructions, and then help them realize that they have a choice to choose to obey or disobey. That takes all of the guessing yeah. out, out of it. That's so good because many times we don't think about repeating it being a mistake that parents make. Now, what would be the fourth mistake that, you know, as parents would make? I would say a fourth one is appealing to their emotions instead mm. of requiring obedience. And as moms, um, you know, I think probably one of the most typical ways that we might find ourselves uh, appealing to their emotions is by trying to make them feel guilty. You know, with, with this this mentality of, uh, you know, after all I do for you, this is how you repay me. And, you know, as moms, we really do so much for our kids and we do make so many sacrifices for our kids. And so it can become easy for us to start feeling sorry for ourselves and think that our kids actually owe us obedience because of what we've done for them. <laughs> but we want their motive for obeying to come from a heart to please God, right. not from a parent inflicted guilt trip. And let me just say that putting a guilt trip on our kids might sometimes be effective in manipulating their behavior. But even if it does, it stems from a wrong motive. It would be with a motive of people pleasing. And that is not a healthy way to live. Take it from a certified, still recovering people pleaser. (laughs) And, you know, I think a lot of times the temptation to appeal to their emotions and make them feel guilty, uh, it stems from our own sinful hearts. Because we're selfish by nature, we're tempted to internalize it when our kids choose to disobey our instructions. Mm -hmm. But here's what we need to understand. When we're being self-focused, we're going to view their disobedience as a sin against us instead Mm -hmm. of a sin against God. And that's a problem. Again, we don't want to motivate our kids to obey because it pleases us, because that's going to cause our kids to start developing these unhealthy habits that can lead to the emotional bondage of people pleasing. Mm -hmm. We want to motivate our children to be God pleasers, not people pleasers. Colossians 3.20 says, children, obey your parents in everything, like we just said, because this pleases the Lord. So that is the right motive that we want to encourage in our kids. I love that because it's so easy for us parents to, you know, get into that hole where you have to obey me and in return, kind of make them to be people pleaser without even knowing that you're doing that. And, you know, I'm so glad you added that as one of the um, mistakes that 
parents make and now head on to, you know, share with me what would the fifth mistake be? All right. The fifth mistake, that's actually my personal favorite as far as common worldly methods go, because it's actually what inspired the title of my first book, Don't Make Me Count to Three. Mm. Um, There are those parents and we see them all around us who say, if you don't do this, by the time I count to three, you're going to get it. Mm -hmm. And then they start their count. They sometimes even hold up their fingers if that's going to add some sort of extra incentive. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, and you see them count, they'll say one and the child doesn't move. Mm-hmm. And then they say two and the child still doesn't move. Mm-hmm. And then they sit there for a minute and then they say two and a half. <laughs> and so it goes. But here's the thing, Sharon, children will rise to the standard that the parents set. If right. you don't expect your child to obey until you count to three, well, he's probably not going to obey until you start counting. Right. Why not expect instant obedience? This leaves no room for question or confusion. It's so much easier and it's mm-hmm. so much more peaceful and it's definitely more biblical. And mm-hmm. you know what? If my small child is about to step off the curb into a busy street, I don't want to have to count to three before he obeys. Mm-hmm. Training our children to quickly obey ought to be the standard. And so we need to be aware of things like bribing and threatening and repeating our instructions two or three times and raising our voices and giving them to the count of three, because these things draw us away from teaching our children to instantly and completely obey the way that God has called them to. And let me just add that parents, we're often responsible for the habits of our kids. Mm-hmm. When we count to three, we cause our children to get into the habit of delayed obedience. Mm. And delayed obedience is disobedience. What counting to three does is it encourages them to put off obeying until absolutely necessary. But we want our children to view obedience as their best option, not as a choice to put off until the last minute. And also our ultimate goal is for our children to love and obey Jesus, who is their ultimate authority. So while our kids are young and in our home, we have this opportunity to help them get into the habit of obeying us without delay so that hopefully mm. when they surrender to the Lordship of Jesus, they might find it a little bit easier to obey him without delay because they're already in that habit of obeying. So all that to say, just in summary there, as we consider our spiritual goals of training our children to be followers of Christ before we begin that count to three, perhaps we should ask ourselves the question, Do I want my child to be in the habit of obeying God the first time, the second time, or the third time? Mm, That's good. I like that. Yeah. And oftentimes we don't even really hear that because we just hear parents counting the numbers. Right. Right. And it's not, you know, it's not so it's not that that's evil in and of itself. It's just when you think through it, 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 it's really not getting to the heart and it's really not training them in what obedience really should look like. Right. And so what would the number six mistake be like? Okay, so last, just just one mistake that parents make or might use um, in an attempt to get their children to obey is reasoning with small children. Mm. Now, I'm not talking about older children here where, you know, some mature, respectful reasoning might be appropriate sometimes. I'm talking about reasoning with with younger children, Uh, something like, um, you know, maybe mom asked her six-year-old, honey, don't you want to come and eat lunch now? Mm, no, thanks, mom. I'm playing with my cars. Oh, but sweetie, your hot dog's going to get cold if you don't come and eat it now. Mm, that's okay, mom. I think I'd rather play with my cars. Okay, well, I thought if you'd come on and eat right now, we might have time to go to the park after lunch. You see, 
And then the child thinks for a moment and then he might say, "Okay, well, yeah, that sounds good. I'll be there in just a minute. But you see what's happening here is instead of simply telling her son what she expected and then requiring this prompt obedience, this mom is trying to talk her child into obedience. Mm. And, you know, parents who try to reason with their young children, they normally end up frustrated and uh, quite often outwitted. (laughs) And then they usually wind up resorting to a bribe in order to get the response thereafter. And the problem is that reasoning with young children in an attempt to get them to obey that causes confusion because it places them in a position that they are not mature or responsible enough to handle. What it does is it erases that line of authority between the parent and the child, and it places the child on a peer level with the parent. Right. And so we, we don't want to do that. We want to clearly instruct our children and then expect obedience. And again, they're going to find security in that, in the parent taking the responsibility out of their hands and not allowing them to be on that peer level with mom and dad. Right. And, you know, all the mistakes that you have mentioned, um, it's mistakes that parents have made. And, you know, it's almost like we have to sort of transform our mind into relearning into reparenting our children. And I think a lot of us recognize that these discipline mistakes as worldly methods that aren't beneficial for our children. So why do you think it's so easy for us to fall into these traps sometimes? Well, uh, we touched on a little earlier, but, but it's because we're selfish by nature. We're mm-hmm. selfish in everything, including our time and what we put our energy into. If you think about it, doing the right thing usually takes a lot more time and effort than doing the quick thing. And so we have this natural tendency to look for those quick, easy fixes so that we can get back to our own agendas. So we're dragged away from what God has called us to do, which is to train and instruct our children. And we're enticed by what we want to do. James 1.14 says, but each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. And let me just confess that I you know, I can often be the pot calling the kettle black. I'm just as selfish as the next person by nature. But we are called to train our children in the ways of the Lord and to point them to their need for Christ. But we also have to remember that we need Jesus to help us do that. So (laughs) we need to cry out to God and seek him in our weakness. Um, Because, you know, of course, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 12, 10 assures us that when we are weak, he is strong when we call out to him in our weaknesses. And let me just reiterate again that discipline mistakes we've talked about today, they're ineffective because, um, you know, again, they may manipulate the child's behavior to a certain extent. Extent, but they fail to reach the heart. Mm. But, you know, we see these methods, they're so popular in our world today. And I think that's why the Bible warns us in Colossians 2.8. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition mm. and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Sharon, you know, as well as I do, that we live in a nation that defies God at mm-hmm. every point. Right. And uh, including child training, the world tries to tell us how to train our children. But Proverbs 14, 12 says there is a way that seems right to man. But in the end, it leads to destruction. You see, the world exalts all these parenting experts and tries to convince us that their mm-hmm. methods are best. But First Corinthians three eighteen tells us that the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. Mm. God's word is truth. 
God's word is wisdom. So we need to make sure that the people we're listening to, the people who are encouraging us in our parenting, are depending on the life-giving truths of God's word to do it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I think it's parents, you know, we just need to be drawn closer to Jesus every single day in order for us to know God's heart. Because it's so obvious that the Lord wants us to parent our children the way he parents us. Mm-hmm. Because he probes our heart. When we read the Bible, he's probing our heart. And mm-hmm. just as we are to probe our children's heart. Now yeah. that you've talked about the mistakes that parents make and why they aren't beneficial, how about summarizing the three-step plan you offer in your parenting books, which offer a more biblical heart-oriented approach for raising our kids. Okay. Yeah. So it's three steps and in everything I write, I've got this simple three-step plan. Um, And so we touched on a little bit earlier, but step one is heart probing questions. And the reason for that is if you think about it, all the stories in scripture, when someone did something wrong, Jesus didn't wave his finger in their face and say, this is what you did wrong. And this is what you should have done instead. No, Jesus often used heart probing questions. Mm -hmm. And in order for the people to answer those questions, they had to evaluate themselves because Jesus knew how to ask those questions in such a way that the people would have to take their focus off of the circumstances and the situations around them and onto the sin in their own hearts. So in my parenting book, my latest one, which is uh, entitled, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, every chapter addresses a different verbal and behavioral struggle that kids have, like lying, defying, tattling, whining. That's literally a chapter of all the titles Mm -hmm. and a whole lot more uh, different issues. It was everyone that I could think of. And for each one of those specific issues, I offer two or three very simple questions just to help parents reach past that outward behavior and pull out what is going on in the heart. And then in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, we are instructed to put off our old self and put on our new self. Those verses say you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is Mm -hmm. being corrupted by deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on your new self created Mm -hmm. to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So step one's the heart probing question. And then steps two and three are based on those verses. So step two is what to put off, what God's word says about that particular behavior and what it can lead to if it's continued. And Mm -hmm. then step three is what to put on, how to replace what is wrong with what is right. And that is so important because, um, Another trap that parents can fall into is getting to this habit of telling our kids what not to do. They mm-hmm. do something wrong and we say, you, you, you did wrong. You were not supposed to do that. And then we administer some sort of a consequence. But that's never enough. God's mm-hmm. word says that we're to train our children in wisdom. We're to train our children in righteousness. So it's never enough to tell them what not to do. We always need to take it a step further and teach them what to do, how mm-hmm. to replace what is wrong with what is right. Right. That's awesome. Now, I know that you have something new that you're brewing and and there are so many ways that you're encouraging parents. And one of the new ways that you are doing is through your new podcast, Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Can you briefly tell our listeners what they can expect if they subscribe to your podcast? Yes, yes, yes. I'm just, I mean, I just want to jump up and down. This is like (laughs) the most exciting thing that I have ever done. I'm I'm just, I've never been more excited about anything than this Mm -hmm. Parenting with Ginger 
Dr. Hubbard podcast. Um, it's a weekly podcast where our primary goal is to encourage and equip parents to reach beyond outward behavior, address the issues of the heart, and point their children to the transformational power of Christ. And from a practical standpoint, we really want to help parents um, move past the frustrations of not knowing how to handle issues mm-hmm. of disobedience and defiance and all of these issues and into a confident, biblical, and well-balanced approach to raising their children. And so they can actually get more information about the podcast at gingerhubbard.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can, uh, If they subscribe, they'll get updates every time I release a new episode. And the episodes will be very similar to what you've heard on Sharon's uh, Gems of Motherhood today. It'll, all, it'll be all about reaching the hearts of our kids and pointing them to the transformational power of Christ. So I'm so excited. Um, so would love for you guys to subscribe to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard so I can encourage you every single week. That's so awesome. I'm excited that you are going to have a show because I know it's going to help me. (laughs) Now, as we come to a close, could you offer our listeners one final word of encouragement? Sure, I would love to do that. Um, You know, it could be that some of the listeners today have fallen into, uh, you know, some of these traps and they've listened to this and they felt a little bit discouraged because Mm -hmm. they're thinking, you know, I've already blown it and it's just too late or too overwhelming uh, to start over with a whole new way of training my kids. But I just want to say it is never too late to begin training your children in the ways of the Lord. God knew when you would hear this message and it is not his will that you be discouraged. He knows it's your heart to raise your children in the truths of his word and his timing is always perfect. And right. so just know that God had you hear this at this time in this season of your life. And just a, a really quick um testimony here, my parents didn't become Christians and didn't start implementing biblical principles into their parenting until I was 18 years old. Mm. And so I I, I didn't know anything about God or the Bible, had never even stepped foot inside of a church before I was 18. And I'll just say, I'll just be honest, at first I did resist and Mm -hmm. it was very ugly. Um, But let me tell you something, God's word does not return void. Amen. So be encouraged, be excited that God has provided you with everything you need for a fresh start right now. And remember that his mercies are new every morning and great is his faithfulness. Amen. Thank God that his mercies are new every morning. And thank God that it's never too late because I feel like in every season we're learning something new, we're learning how to be a better mother, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, God is faithful. He is so faithful. And Ginger, I am so appreciative of you coming onto the show once more. And thank you so much for sharing with us all the gem nuggets that you have. You are so welcome. And thank you for having me on. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Gems of Motherhood podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more amazing Gems of Mothers and more resources, head over to gemsofmotherhood.com where you can subscribe to the show. That's where you'll find show notes with actionable tips and links mentioned by our guest. Most importantly, I hope you'll find inspiration and learn to cultivate your own journey. You are loved. You're an incredible gem to God. He knows you intimately. He knows what you're going through and he knows what you need. Remember, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in him. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.